Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. So, Reverend Barbara F. Myers is in her 70s, and she is the most prolific Sidewalk Talk listener. For years now, she's been sitting out in some of the roughest neighborhoods in San Francisco, listening sometimes twice and three times a week, always weekly. And she's a Unitarian Universalist community minister. Um, She's got a ministry based in Fremont, California, and she's the assistant director of the Life Reaching Across to Life Peer Support Center. But what she's coming to talk to us about is really her story on how she became a mental health advocate. And her new book, which I love the title, y'all, Held, Showing Up for Each Other's Mental Health, which has been published by Skinner House Books. It's out now. You can get it. She's going to talk a lot about her own experience with her own mental health issues her experience being in a church congregation with mental health issues. And my hope is that the impact of this podcast is that folks at churches hear it and will grab her book and have book clubs at their churches because I think for many folks that maybe are apprehensive about getting mental health support, sometimes the church is the first place that they're going to go. And knowing how to actually hold someone is a really potent and powerful skill that I don't think anybody does better than Barbara, frankly. So listen in. It's going to be a lively conversation, hearing all about Barbara's life and her new book, Held, Showing Up for Each Other's Mental Health. Barbara! So I'm, I'm actually was nervous. To get to interview you tonight, I, can I? Isn't that weird that we've known each other yeah. this long and I felt anxious? <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it's because um, we have an intimacy level, so it feels a little more intimate, perhaps. And I think also because I'm feeling deeply moved and proud of your book. So, for those of you that are watching that are part of Sidewalk Talk, you know Barbara, because I'm going to tutor horn a little bit. Barbara's listened more times than any Sidewalk Talk listener in our project. She's been listening in the Tenderloin in San Francisco weekly for three years. And she's a universalist minister who I think is going to hopefully revolutionize the way that churches meet the needs of their congregants who are struggling with their mental health. And I know that writing a book is like birthing a child. So yeah. <laughs> I want to hand it over to you and, and tell us uh, just... How did you become an advocate for mental health? What made you want to sit on sidewalks? And what made you want to write this book? Okay, well, I come to this work largely as a result of my own personal experience with mental health crises myself, uh, which started uh, when shortly after my daughter was born. 
and that was in 1978, so that's how long ago that was. <laughs> um, it's 42 years ago. Um, and I had a severe postpartum depression, and that, uh, and for which I was hospitalized in the psychiatric ward of our local hospital. And I, it was a shattering experience for me because I hadn't had anything like that before. And I was ashamed of it for a long time. And um, after a number of years, I, I went back to my uh, psychiatrist and I said, you know, I'm not, I don't want to live my life like this, being so unhappy and so depressed about who I was and what I had been through. You know, I want to find, get to the bottom of this and find out what the problem is. And so I entered in sort of a... Um, pretty regular uh, set of uh, psychotherapy sessions with him. And um, he was, uh, you know, wouldn't let me duck things, <laughs> you know, questions <laughs> that, that I was, you know, didn't want to address, you know. And, um, mm. and then at one session, he said, um, he asked me, what are you doing for yourself spiritually? Mm. And I said, nothing, because at, mm. and I had been brought up in um, sort of an interdenominational Protestant church, and mm. I went to youth group, and I did a lot of th those kinds of things. But after um, my college years, I had gone away from that. And... So he, he said, well, um, would you like to learn how to meditate? And I, my, the first thought that went in my mind was, what? <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. You're sitting around and doing nothing? You know, just how that's supposed to accomplish anything. And, <laughs> and well, at this point, weren't you at IBM, like hustling in the tech industry? Yeah, I worked yeah. for IBM as a uh, software engineer. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, you know, my life was doing, 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 and more doing, you know, and not a moment to spare between one start of one thing and the beginning of the next. And um, I had, you know, a wonderful husband, a great job, a wonderful home, a beautiful little girl, and I was miserable, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and I knew there was just something's wrong with this picture, you know, <laughs> and yeah. so... Um, so anyway, I'm, he gave me a little book about meditation, and um, he said, I suggest that you read this and might want to try it. I thought, well, okay, God, I promised myself that, that um, I, I would try anything that he said because um, I was wanted to, so much wanted to uh, get over the feeling that I was having, you know, mm, that, yeah. hating myself, basically, in my life. Yeah. And um, so I read the book, and and I did sit I um, sit for maybe five minutes or ten minutes sometimes, and it was literally the only time in my life when I wasn't rushing from one thing to the next. Mm. And um, I went back to the to um, see him the next time, and I told him. I don't know where it came from, but I'm happy. Hmm. And, 
after one week, after one time of sitting? Well, this was a couple of weeks. Of, uh, I see. Okay. Wow. That's still fast. a short, really short time. Yeah. Um, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He pointed at me and he said, it came from you. Mm. And, um, and it was just like, <laughs> you know, a total. Yeah. I realized what he said was true and it was so different from what I believe in before. Yeah. Um, so um, anyway, that was the start of it, of my spiritual life. I mean, um, I was actually hospitalized again at one time, but it was not a shattering experience this time. You know, I thought all of the other patients were all God's children, just like me, you know, and that was um, a complete change in my whole self-concept. Mm. And, um, and I realized that there was something spiritual that had happened there. And uh, so I started going to church and I um, went to a Unitarian Universalist church. And I told the minister, you know, that I had just gotten out of the psychiatric ward, but I didn't tell anybody else in the church about it, you know, because I still was too much for me to be public. And um, the people in that church were so welcoming and so, you know, embracing of me as a fellow human being, you know, involved in a lot of their projects and other things that, and um, they just treated me like a human being that had inherent worth and dignity, which is, you know, one of the things we like to say in, uh, Unitarian Universalist uh, practice. So um, I realized how much, uh, uh, I realized what an important role that the congregation had played in my, in my healing. And um, I eventually, um, well, I helped start another congregation in my hometown. And then I uh, started a depression support group at that church because I was now able to be more open about what my, what I've been through. And um, after a few years of doing uh, the depression support group, I thought, well, gosh, maybe I could be, do a better job of this if I took a pastoral counseling class in seminary or something. So I um, contacted the Unitarian Seminary in Berkeley and asked them if I might uh, take one of their classes as a special student, and so I did that. And um, about halfway through that class, I thought, oh, "This is what I was meant to do with my life." You know, this is this mm. is where I should be. So I I retired from IBM, and um, I have nothing against the company. It was a great company to work for. The, my managers were wonderful, you know. And when I told them my plans, they were really good in helping me plan this out and everything. And uh, but my life had just turned in a different direction, you know, and um, so I went to seminary for four years and um, had an internship and, and I um, affiliated as what they call a community minister, which means I'm the work I'm doing is not the minister of the church, but a minister in the outside community. And my uh, intention all along was to focus on mental health issues because of what I had been through. And how important I knew a, a congregation and a, a religious um, spiritual practice was in in um, in healing from mm. from uh, some of these things. So th 
I was um, affiliated with the congregation in Fremont, California as a community minister. And so that was in 2004. And so this is now 16 years that I've been doing this. And um, there isn't any real um, set roadmap for me to follow. I sort of do what I think needs to be done in the community and following my um you know what I think is is where I'm being led, you know. And I've I've done a number of different things. Um there's a while I had a television program um on um public access T V that uh where I interviewed I didn't know this about you. <laughs> I interviewed people about uh, um their um experiences with mental health and ha and how they recovered and uh so i did that for a number of years and um with help start a counseling center in fremont um which was we were able to keep going for a couple of years before financially we couldn't make it happen anymore and then most recently it was the book that i wrote and uh, in which i was collecting a lot of the stories that i've heard from from people that um that I've worked with throughout the years about uh, things that have happened in church that were either very helpful or were very harmful to, to, to people. So I wrote the book as a way of trying to tell people how they could be supportive of people with mental health problems and their family members, you know, that were in their congregations. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, anyway, I'm, I'm really happy. It was just uh, August of 2020 that it came out finally and um, your second baby yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so um, uh, my fondest wish is that people will read it and in their congregations and you know find ways of helping other folks to do it so to to follow some of the the lessons or or not do some of the things that I say are are harmful, you know. So yeah. Anyway, um, now all of this time that I've been in, in these past uh, sixteen years, actually, when I was in seminary, I, I volunteered. Uh, there's a there's a peer support mental health center in Fremont here where I live, and I I I am the assistant director of that center. And I uh, have been doing that for, you know, even volunteering when I was in seminary and, and for these 16 years that I've been um, been employed there um, as, as a, a person to help others. So um, one of the things that, that um, I have, a, I have a, in, addition, in, in addition to my seminary degree, I also have a a certificate in what's called spiritual direction and mm -hmm. um, I I read this in the spiritual direction magazine that you get you know when you're a spiritual director this one article about no, I know because I'm not a spiritual director but you know <laughs> yeah. all right um, anyway there was an article in there about this woman who had mm. had um, been it was called ministering to the marginalized, yeah. and um, so she talked to folks that were. Um, this is a woman from Alaska, and then she sort of had this this little place where she went, and anybody who came by, she would talk to, 
and she mostly put went in in areas where there were there were um, very few social services and and a lot of people that were had a lot of need. And she um, created this, you know, um, spiritual direction practice to marginalize people. And when I read that, I thought. Oh wow! If there's somebody I could do this with, that I'd really like to do something like that, you know. So, <laughs> um, so I yeah, uh, went to this spiritual director meeting, and there's another woman there who had read the same article and she said the same thing to herself, you know. So we found each other, and um, she has been my partner, and we started, um, you know, investigating what it would be like to sit on the sidewalk and talk to folks in. Um, mm-hmm in uh, underprivileged areas in um, in San Francisco. Um, and and one of the things we learned about was sidewalk talk, you know, and um, Yay! We're we, so lucky. <laughs> yeah. So we, there was one time that we were, uh, when we were checking things out, we, um, there was a sidewalk talk event happening at what they call Lava May, which is a place where uh, homeless people can take showers and get their hair cut and things like that. And then they also have people, folks from Sidewalk Talk come and let them talk, you know, people and listen to them. So um, we sort of sat, my my uh, friend and I sort of stood to the side and he said, we looked at, and I think it was you, Tracy, you were you know, actually talking to someone and there was another woman there as well talking to someone. And we looked at each other and we said, we can do that, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I never knew that you showed up at a lava May event. Yeah, me, well, we me. <laughs> we didn't. I mean, we weren't really close. We were sort of far away, but we were just sort of watching what was going on. And um, so um, we um, decided that we were going to to do that, and we signed up to uh, to be sidewalk talk listeners and. Um, signed our release forms and got our t-shirts and um, and there was a place in San Francisco where I did my um, internship it was called the Faithful Fool Street Ministry and they they um, accepted this sidewalk talk gig as being one of their the things that they would um, say that they were try to do in the community, you know, so all the, all the supply, the chairs and the supplies and other things that we have, we keep them at, at, at the Faithful Fool Street Ministry and, um, and our practice to, it was to go out every Thursday from one o'clock to three o'clock and sit on the corner, the corner of Hyde and Turk in San Francisco, which is in the middle of the Tenderloin. It's a very poor neighborhood. There's a lot of of um, poverty, uh, drug abuse, um, homelessness, um, mental illness, and a lot of, um, you know, things where people are sort of down and out, you know, how I would say. And and so we set up our chairs and with a sign up uh, that says, free listening here today. And uh, whoever came by and were was curious or wanted to stop by and talk, then we would talk to them. And um, 
and we we did that on a weekly basis, you know, every Thursday. So that's why I've had so many events, <laughs> three years times every week. <laughs> it adds up to a lot. Um, now with COVID, um, we haven't been able to do it for a while, you know, uh, but uh, the, the idea is that we will go back when it's safe to do so, you know. Mm. So. That's beautiful. Well, so many things I want to say, but I'm going to ask you a question because I just want to keep you talking because I want to keep listening to you. <laughs> so okay. I'm so curious as all you've done all this training, you've had your firsthand experience with your own mental health, then you go and do all this training and really get a context of how the church holds people mm -hmm. struggling with mental illness. And then you're out on the sidewalk. And I'm curious what the differences are between being in a clinic versus a church versus a public sidewalk in terms of how people are with you. Yeah. Well, um, or how you are with them in those settings. Right. Well, let's see. Uh, first, the church and the, and the mental health center where I work. Um, there's a lot of people now that from the mental health center that come to church and a lot of people from the church have heard about what I'm doing and they've had troubles and they've gone to the mental health center. So there's a knowledge there where there's, a, you know, a little bit, I mean, not everybody, but there's an overlap of, 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 um, numbers of folks that, that, um, have been in both places, you know, and, and of course we know the people, um, and most of them are, you know, coming back and repeats and, and a lot of, of, of what we do in the mental health center is to sort of create a, what we call a surrogate family, sort of a, a people that care about each other and, and, and want to know what's happening with each other and help each other out when they're, they have problems. And, mm. and then some of the, um, the most important things I think are as having peers there because everyone in there has been through some sort of a, uh, experience of mental health problems. Um, in the church, of course, it's a, it, it is a community of folks that all, um, are bonded together in a way we call it we, we have a covenant that's what we say this is how we want to be with each other you know so that again is a is a community that um of people that that are familiar you know that to 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 you on the street it's different um although um i will say you know when we first started sitting out there um my partner carolyn and i um would sit there and I think people were just really wary of us. Um, they were, yeah. who are these two white people, you know, <laughs> these white elderly ladies sitting out on the street, you know, what do they think they're doing? You know, when, um, one guy came up to me and said, um, are you selling something? You know, <laughs> are you trying to convert us to some religion or something? And I said, no. Um, well, what are you doing here anyway? You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> sounds and, like a discerning and, person. Yeah, <laughs> and and I said, just trying to make the world a little friendlier place. Mm. Uh, and he said, Oh, okay, I'll talk to you. You know, sat down and started talking. You know, so <laughs> so. Well, I um, imagine after three years, you start to become like so family. They, they know. 
we're always on the same corner and a lot of the folks now recognize us. I mean, after about three or four months that got, okay, those ladies are okay. You know, they're not trying to pull, you know, take advantage of us or get us committed or whatever, you know, they're just there and they're trying to be helpful, you know, and, and so then we got to know a fair number of the folks that were sort of regularly on that corner and, and we recognize, you know, things that, that, um, were going on, you know, if that, I mean, things that I would not have noticed before I sat there, you like, who's the drug dealers are, for example, you know, um, <laughs> And uh, things that were, um, I mean, we even had a drug dealer one time sat down and talked to us for a while, you know. I think I think he was um, just tired. He saw this chair and he wanted to sit down. <laughs> he didn't know what it was. That's a form, that's a form of kindness. You're trying to make yeah. the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've had, I have a few drug dealer friends now from listening on the sidewalk, not because I'm, I'm purchasing their product, but right. because we've gotten to know each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so drug dealers know who we are, you know, um, and, oh gosh, um, you think of, of all of the, you know, I'm just there for a couple of hours once a week, but you think of the folks that, that are there every day and sometimes on the sidewalk all night long, you know, too, and, um, wow, it, what they have to deal with in their life is just, uh, unfathomable, you know? So if there's any way that I can, can make the world a little friendlier for somebody like that, I, I will, you know? So I think that's one, I mean, they tell you, you know, um, when you become a minister, is, uh, it's because you think it's something that you're called to do and it's, that's something that, why you're on this earth to is to do this work, you know, and that's why mm. that's that's what I um the way I look at it, you know. So mm. um that there's some way that I can somehow make make the world a little friendlier place. Now one thing I will say, we um after I was listening in San Francisco for a year or two, we I, I started a couple of other groups in Fremont, which is where I live, which is a very different area. And um one of the places we live, we listen to is the the library, um, the Fremont Main Library, and uh, twice a month we um, go out and sit in, in front of the library, and it's really quite different set of folks that come to, that you see in the library than we see in San Francisco, you know, um, and interest in, and it's interestingly enough around the library there's homeless people that live like in the bushes and stuff that get around so they would come and talk to us you know and in fact those are our regulars you know when we go to the library it's some of the homeless guys that are that are there all the time <laughs> and um and that that was just you know um you know one guy you know he said you know, first time he walked by, he was a, uh, one of the homeless guys said, um, you don't want to listen to me I because I've done terrible things in my life. You don't, I don't think you want to hear that, you know. And then the next time we were there, he came by and he said, well, I was in Afghanistan and we did some really awful things 
as soldiers in Afghanistan. And so I just sort of listened to them. And then after a while, he said, you really will listen to anyone, won't you? <laughs> said, yes. 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 <laughs> so um, anyway, they're, um, I like lots, hearing these stories. Yeah. And then um, also, you know, there are people in the library, you know, number of the folks we've talked to, they're working on a graduate degree and they have some sort of exam they have to prepare for and they're going to the library to read up on whatever the mm. subject is and and you know, they sit down and talk to us for a while and they're so worried about this exam and it's, their whole life is going to depend on it and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking, um, boy, the human angst is in all of, in the successful people just as much as the people that that don't have material success, you know. So um, to see that, how concerned and worried those people are, you know. Yeah. So, um, well, as somebody who has has gotten to speak to you in moments when I've been in incredible angst, you are like the best person to talk to because you are unflappable. You just say, okay, and so what are you going to do? What are you going to do about that? Like, <laughs> I'm always like, Barbara. <laughs> but it's great because it's like, oh, she's not taking any of this on, and I can really just say this to her. Okay, all right, we're good. Yeah, somehow I've been all those years of, of listening to people with really, I mean, many of the people in the, in the mental health center that um, have, you know, some really serious problems, you know, and sometimes I've gone to the hospital with them and uh, things like that. And and then, you know, some of them have problems with suicidal ideation, you know, and and I tell them, you know, I also had was thinking of suicide too when before I was in the hospital, and it's the worst feeling in the world, and I just feel so bad that you're feeling this way, you know um and so I guess maybe being around that for so many years, I'd sort of learned not to of course it's, it's going to affect me as a human being in some way, but not to take it in so that it you know disturbs my own peace. <laughs> well, my experience in talking to you is that I always feel that you have this belief that people can rise above the emotional moment mm -hmm. and you transmit that. Like there's a way in which, uh, well, I'm just going to own something. Sometimes I would just like to hand you all my feelings <laughs> and have you fix it for me and you don't ever bite. You're like, mm, I'm not, yeah, that I'm not going to do, but I know that you can rise above them. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm aware that we're at the end of our time already, and I would oh, talk to you longer, but I have to go see a psychotherapy client myself. <laughs> but I wanted to, um, you know, that we're going to also air this. For those of you that are going to come back and watch the recording, we're also going to put this up on our podcast later. And so, you'll get many more times to hear this conversation. Um, but I, you know, on the podcast, we have this little tradition of offering either a wish or words of wisdom to all of the people that listen with Sidewalk Talk. And before I turn it over to you to do that, I also want to say, please go get Barbara's book. And if you are in any sort of church congregation, will you please forward this video on 
because we want to get more congregations really helping hold people because boy, do people need it right now. Here. Yeah, hold it up. Yes, the baby. We need to wrap it in a baby blanket. Held. The title is Held, Showing Up for Each Other's Mental Health. (laughs) Yeah. It's right at the top of your screen if you're watching on video. And for those on the podcast, it's again, it's called Held, Showing Up for Each Other's Mental Health. So now I'm going to zip my lips and turn the mic completely over to you. And you get to say whatever the heck you want to all of our listeners that will are either listening now, we'll watch this later, or listen to it on the podcast, either a wish or words of wisdom. I wish you will find something in your life that you feel you were meant to do on this earth. Because once you find that, and you know that's, who you are and why you're here. Um, there's nothing's going to stop you from making it happen because even if you run into roadblocks, you'll find ways around it. And um, and it also gives you sort of an inner peace to know that you're doing what you were meant to do on this earth. You know, so I wish for you that you'll find that beautiful. And I have to say thank you from all of us at Sidewalk Talk for letting us be a part of your service so that we can um, receive some of your knowingness for sure. Okay. means a lot. means thank a lot, you. Barbara. means a lot to me too. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye. Thank you for being here and listening to this episode of the Sidewalk Talk podcast. If you like what you heard, tell your friends, tell your family, like and comment on the podcast publisher that you're listening from and subscribe. This will help us get the word out about changing our culture to one of connection.